all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Did you notice something different in that intro, anybody? I, I think our audience might, but yeah. we're not going to clue them in on what's going on just yet. Okay. I believe we have some uh, some mentions. Housekeeping. Yes, to Housekeeping. start off. Housekeeping. Yes, yes. We've had busy little listeners, which is fantastic. Lots of interaction this week, which I love. It's a lot of fun. It is. It is. Um, shout out to Brooke and Cheryl and Valerie. For reaching out to us because they're awesome. We got our first fan art from Brooke. Yes, we did. In Melbourne. Which we put on our uh, Twitter profile. Or uh, uh, put on our Instagram. Instagram, that's mm-hmm. what okay. And it's on our Facebook because she posted it to our Facebook. It was awesome. It was a send up on the Home Depot Depot <laughs> from last week's episode, uh, Andrew, <laughs> Hurricane Andrew Part 2. Yes. <laughs> so that was super fun. And we got our first like full fledged listener email. And it was an amazing one. It really was. Yeah. And, and who was it from? Sarah Q. Which is a great name. Sarah <laughs> Q. So remember when there was that period where, like, for some reason, Judaism came up in, like, a few podcasts in a row? And I had no clue well, what, and, it, what it was about. And apparently neither do I. So anyway, um, well, Sarah, thankfully, was there to, like, set us straight. So she comes from an Orthodox Jewish family. Um, and she was listening to our Versailles Wedding Hall disaster episode and um first of all she she wanted she said um first of all while i appreciate the apology rachel i was not offended at all i found david's spontaneous lesson on religion hilarious (laughs) 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 which is great i do believe that was when you said something to the effect that like um that like oh uh jesus wouldn't want them to do that meaning like jewish people and i was like um i don't think jewish people believe in jesus yeah they yeah they're uh they're on a different uh wavelength when it comes to religion which i was not that does not have anything to do with jesus (laughs) exactly which i was not aware of yeah i I grew up in uh way upstate new york near canada mostly catholic Mm -hmm. in the area so and Episcopalian and stuff, right? Yeah, which is Catholic light. As a, it's a high church religion. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, and Christian. It's, uh, uh, like Episcopalian is basically like as long as you show up on Sunday, most of the time <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> well, so um, so she yes yeah, she set us straight on a bunch of stuff about Judaism, which we needed to be set straight on. <laughs> yes. Um, so remember uh, the Versailles wedding hall there a disaster. There was the question of like it being on the Sabbath for rescue work. Yes. Um, she was say she said that um, there are a lot of restrictions on the Sabbath for Orthodox Jews, but all all of these restrictions are explicitly waived when it comes to saving lives. No questions asked. You do not need to request special permission from a rabbi when someone is in danger. And if you do, you are doing Judaism wrong, which I like that. Yeah. That way of, of putting yeah. it. So that's, 
Very good. That, that um, seems that seems very reasonable. Yes, yes. Now the next part, she she talks about. I actually don't remember our comments on this, but considering she listened to this more recently than we did, she said that we talked about adoption in Judaism, specifically adoption of African children. I don't remember that, but I trust I her memory no better than I do. Yes. And anyway, she was saying. Um, that uh, Judaism doesn't have a lot of non-white followers because it isn't a missionary religion, which I found very interesting because Christianity is a very missionary-related religion. I never thought of it that right? way. Right? Right? I guess, again, growing up around Christians, which mm-hmm. is what Catholics are, Right. I guess I just assumed that every religion had missionaries and people that would. Right, so but apparently, apparently not in not in Judaism, yeah. which was interesting. She said, um, there are old pockets of Jews from Africa, including an ancient group in Ethiopia, many of whom were airlifted to Israel for free in 1990 during a famine. So in actuality, there are a lot of African Jews living in Israel today, which I found very fascinating. That's, I, I had no idea. It's good to know. And then she, we were talking about like... Um, whether in the Jewish religion, um, in Judaism, they believe in, like, heaven or hell. And she was I saying... I do remember that. Yeah, she said, <laughs> hell in Judaism is weird. <laughs> she said, um, there's... In older texts, there's no real mention of an afterlife beyond vague references. Jews may have been inspired by the Greeks when they incorporated, incorporated it into their mythology later on. Um, still, it's definitely not Christian hell. Yeah, which Christian hell is pretty bad. <laughs> in, in Christian hell, you hear the band Striper. <laughs> if you're a, if you're a forty year old uh, Christian metalhead, you'll <laughs> you get that Striper. reference. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of of you are out there. <laughs> right. Maybe two, but. Hey. Um, so she said it's. I've usually heard it described as more of a purgatory, but it's not really such a standardized or emphasized thing. So that's interesting. Um, and she, she also got into saying, you know, uh, Rachel, you mentioned that believing in Jesus as the Messiah was the main thing that separated Jews from Christians. And while you are correct, that is a big difference. I would like to postulate that in practice, what is much more significant, um, is the emphasis of ritual practice over belief. So the law over faith, which is a big, we won't get... We, we've already discussed let's, quite a bit of let's, this. But let's not go down that. We'll not we'll not <laughs> philosophize any further. But I thought that was really interesting, and that she cleared things up for us. She cleared a lot of a lot things of things that I never us. even thought of. Right, and really intelligently, and um, she, she's awesome. Thank yes. you, Sarah Q. Yes, you're amazing. And uh, that was our first like. Our, long, our first, wonderful our first uh, full-fledged email. email. Yeah, it was an awesome one. Yeah, very intelligently written. Um, we don't mind like being told like, "Hey, so here's what you were <laughs> talking about." That like, here's how it really is. Yeah, <laughs> we don't mind. If we're being wrong schooled. about something, yes, I, I'd yes. rather somebody out there like throws out a con- correction. Than just absolutely, and just kind of leaving it out. There. We can't possibly know about everything, yeah. Especially when it comes to religion, obviously. <laughs> obviously, especially when it comes to Judaism. Yes. <laughs> so definitely appreciate that. Um, I also want to um, shout out. Well, first of all, tease a little bit um, that we have a special collaboration for our Christmas episode coming up. Um, also, potentially a mini sode. I don't know. It's all in the works, but. Um, what's definitely in the works 
that we're we're going to be doing is a um, a fun crossover with one of our um, good pod friends. So one of our fellow fellow pod people. Yes. So watch it. Look for that next week on Christmas Day because we're still going to be releasing Christmas Day and New Year's Day. After you unwrap your gifts. Yes. Unwrap the gift that we're giving you and yes. lis- listen to a tragedy. There you go. On Christmas Day. A special Christmas tragedy. <laughs> I'll be interested to see what our listens are that day. That'll be that'll be interesting. Well, if you've had too much Christmas cheer, bring yourself if you've down. had too much eggnog. <laughs> there you go. Spiked eggnog, to be specific. <laughs> then just pop in a disaster podcast and you'll feel probably worse, but maybe better. <laughs> yeah. Um... And also, my pod recommendations or shout-outs this week, um, I've got two. I, um, one of my, my regular podcasts is a great podcast, and Sarah Q mentioned it too, um, Sawbones, which is a fun podcast um, about medical history, which doesn't sound too fascinating, but... It I'm is, sure that would be fascinating to quite a few people, though. Yes, yes, and, but, but it's... So, it's hosted by a... Plus, the title kind of gives it away, doesn't it? Right? It's hosted by a married couple, and um, uh, the wife of the couple is a doctor, like a practicing physician, and so she's giving the medical history, and the husband's kind of like the comic relief. They've got a good chemistry, and her research is obviously very thorough. She clearly knows what she's talking about. She is a medical doctor talking about medical history. Um, so I definitely recommend listening to Sawbones. And then I have been binging because I drove a lot today. I was binging <laughs> on um, They Walk Among Us, which is a great true crime podcast, specifically UK true crime. I apologize that I don't know the name of the host, but his voice is amazing. Like British accent, obviously, but also just this very like... Um, steady sort of cadence and it's it's very kind of like mine well <laughs> you have a great voice you have a great voice but, but I do not have a British voice no you don't if I could master that then we'll, I we'll like have, your voice like it is I, I do voice. too but if I could have the British accent down then we'd get like 10,000 listens a day Oh, you think that's all it would take? And we'd get our Casper mattress. <laughs> that's so funny because in both and in, in all of the episodes I was listening to, they walk among us. That was oh, his plug. Sure. It was yes. Casper. Yes, it's, they it's sponsor Casper. any podcast that has a sponsor. I'm pretty much convinced at this point, mm-hmm. Casper is one of their sponsors. Well, tonight's podcast is brought to or is fueled by fueled by. <laughs> And brought to you by. <laughs> Without their express consent or knowledge. Um, Bull City Cider Works out of Durham. Went there tonight. Had a had a brew with my sister. And brought home the Rise Up Ginger Cider. Excellent cider from Bull City. And I am sponsored by <laughs> a national no. local beer. National local beer. Known as Miller Lite. Yeah, okay. Get you some. <laughs> Somebody who would drink Miller Lite would say that. It was probably a tagline in the 80s. Drink you some. Yeah, get you some. So, what is special about today's episode? I don't know what. That who's doing the research? Oh, no, I was just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> you played it very straight. Yes. So, I have been um, uh, 
I started my own business this summer, blah, 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 studying for a tax exam, super boring stuff, but basically kind of swamped right now, and um, my intrepid and amazing co-host and husband, (laughs) Mr. David here, uh, agreed to take the load off from me a little bit, and so this is our first... Reverse all bad things, which is not a good thing. Like, it's not, doesn't mean we're doing a good thing. It means that I'm not doing the research. I get to be the funny man. Yes. Which isn't going to turn out well, but that's okay. Well, we'll, we'll see. Let me drink more. Yes. <laughs> but this is a, uh, this is an episode that we made a reference to you did yeah you, I you made a had reference a, to a couple of episodes ago that that and Rachel the, um point in the following week yes Rachel from uh, yours and murder pinned down figured as to out what, what you were it was thinking. yeah mm-hmm. so I know just before our two-parter megasode of Hurricane Andrew yes mm-hmm. we did a fire being the coconut grove mm-hmm so that was only, well, now it would be three episodes ago, but yes. we are back to a fire, uh-huh. unfortunately. But this is a pretty... Famous one, right? It's very famous. Yeah. It holds a lot of weight in the city of New York mm. and really holds a lot of weight in the labor movement and in uh, regulations. Okay. Work regulations. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about today is the triangle... Shirtwaist factory fire. That what is a shirtwaist? I will get into that. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll get to that. Shot. Shot, shot at home. I finally get to say it. Very good. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So, on March 25th, 1911. 1911. The Triangle Shirtwaist Company factory in New York City caught fire, killing 146 workers. Each. 123 women and 23 men. So mostly women. Oh yeah, and you'll find out Garment why. Garment workers. While injuring 71. 144 people died at the scene with two victims dying at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Of the victims whose ages were known... Oh, boy. Child labor? Well, that's going to that's gonna foreshadow a little bit. Okay. The oldest was 43, and the youngest being two workers who were just 14. Eesh. It remained the deadli- deadliest workplace disaster in the history of New York City until 9-11, which would not happen until another 90 years. Well, and workplace, when they say workplace, do they mean like the firefighters or more like the people working in the offices in the World Trade Center? They mean the people who actually worked there. Okay. Okay. And a workplace disaster. Yes. Okay. Of any type. Not a specific, yes. Not Not, not necessarily just fires. Right. Just any type of. This was a fire. Uh Uh-huh. 9-11 was a terrorist attack. Yes. Yes. Either way. Deadliest for like 90 years. Yes. 90 years. Not as many people died at work in New York City mm-hmm. until 9-11 before this incident. Yeah. And that was like thousands, but that was also yes. because of a terrorist incident. Like you said, yes. this was not. Yeah. Um, this incident was a key factor in workplace safety regulations and worker unionization that in, that <clears throat> in the years that followed. Okay. Well, and this is like, wasn't labor rights... Pretty this huge, is like when really burgeoning at this time. This is when they're just starting for yeah. the most part. Yeah. There are other things that happened mm-hmm. in previous years and in subsequent years that it was a buildup. Gotcha. But in the early uh, 20th century, that's when labor started to get a movement. Okay. So, Triangle Factory was owned by Max Blank and Wait, Isaac Harris. Is it just called Triangle Factory? The Triangle Factory is what their brand is. 
Okay. They have... Multiple fat. They multiple. have offshoots of... Okay. But this was the Triangle Shirtwaist. Okay. But the company was known as the Triangle. Okay. So... Okay. The Triangle Factory was owned by Max Blank and Isaac Harris. It was located on the top three floors of the 10-story Ash Building on the corner of Green Street and Washington Place in Manhattan. Where is, where is that? What part of... It is just off of Washington Square Park at the time, and still today, one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the city. What... Is it like upper, I lower... I don't know the geography of New York City. Okay, gotcha. I looked that up, but mm-hmm. decided to leave it out. Okay, fair point. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyone it's, in- it's in Manhattan. Anyone so, in New York City who's listening or knows the area, if you know where Washington Park? Washington Square Park. Washington Square Park is, let us know. Yeah. We'll, we'll add it to housekeeping next time. The building itself, the Ash Building, was built is in... Is it 19- Ash with an E? A-S-C-H, actually. Oh, okay. It was built in 1901 and still stands today and is known as the Brown Building. So this survived this fire. It did. Okay. The and, Brown Building and, today? And other fires. But we'll get to that. Oh, shot. It is part owned by New York University, which it also was at the time of this particular fire. So it's part of NYU. Yes. It was essentially a sweatshop. Eh. It was a densely packed work area with roughly 500 workers at any given time. What's the square footage of this? I tried to look that up and I didn't see it. Yeah. But I saw pictures, which I meant to print and forgot to. That's okay. Just imagine probably... If you took away the yeah. walls of our condo mm-hmm. and laid out tables that went from end to end, mm-hmm. that's probably... Well, and we're at around 850 square feet, so yeah. that's that's a lot of people. And you said it, it was the top two? Three. Three floors. So okay. there are three floors with 500, 500 workers. Yes. Okay. Working. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. The shifts were 11 to 12 hours a day, Ugh. every day. The majority of the workers were teenage immigrant women, most of whom did not speak English. Aww. They sat at long tables during the day and through the evenings, sewing shirtwaists. They were paid roughly $15 a week, or 53%, 53 cents an hour. That calculates to $376 per uh, week today, or $4.67 per hour. Uh, and here's the kicker. Uh-huh. This is based on 80 and a half work hours per week. So they were working 80 hours They were working and still 11 taking, to 12 hours a day. And still taking home less day. than the current yes. rate of $4 and some Way an less. Hour. Almost $3 less. Less than minimum wage, yeah. Today. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So working like absolute dogs and not, yes. not getting... These are young immigrant women literally yeah. off the boat. We're yeah, I was going to say, this is the Ellis Island era, isn't we're ta- it? Yes. We're mm-hmm. talking about in Manhattan. We're mm-hmm. talking about the New York City area in general. Yes. But this particular factory was in Manhattan. Uh-huh. People need work. It, yeah. This is way before unionization. It yeah. was a major thing. This is way before regulations. It's yeah. like, hey, if you want a job, here you go. Here's 57, 50 cents an hour and right. maybe a bathroom break. Ugh. So. Oh, that sounds... T- well, of course it sounds terrible. Yes. It doesn't sound like fun, no, obviously. Not at all. Uh, and how ugh, how awfully, like, stereotypical and exploitive to just be, like, uh, all, all, just poor immigrant women. Well, this That's is also so what is known terrible. as the robber baron era. What does that mean? <clears throat> when the Industrial Revolution first started, which uh-huh. kind of started in the 1860s, Late 1870s. 18- yeah, yeah. The Civil 1800s. War era. Mm-hmm. Um... The 
company owners, the CEOs, mm-hmm. were known as robber barons, meaning they took home all the money, so did their oh. board, and paid people nothing. And <laughs> what do you mean back then? <laughs> True. <Aren't> kind of <laughs> well, yeah, kind of, kind yeah. of, but it's I nothing. Mean, clearly, there, like you said, this was before like labor rights and yes, stuff. So it was so much worse. Nothing compared to what was happening yeah. hundred years ago. It's still highly exploitive. It's just. In other countries, or... Oh, in um, other countries, this is going on for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we figured out in the um, Rana Plaza collapse. Yes. Oh, yeah. Saw that. I mean, it's not like that's the first time we ever heard of it, but still, you know. Yeah. It's essentially... Um, I hate to use the term slave labor, because slave labor is literally for free. They're slaves. It is... They are enslaved people. Uh, kind of. It is... That's the that's the politically it's correct. It's cheap term. labor. That's the way I like to describe it. Well, it's it's clearly less than a fair wage, yeah. that's for sure. A 1909 strike led by the International Ladies Garment Workers Union demanded higher pay and shorter and more predictable work hours. Good for So this was a, a women's union. I'm Bl- sorry. Blank and Harris resisted and hired police to imprison the striking women while paying off city government officials to look the other way. Assholes. Jeez, where did we just see that? Yeah. Uh, in some place um, where they were trying to do an oil pipeline. Ugh. History repeats, Yes, friends. it usually does. So you asked earlier what our shirt weighs. Yes! What is a shirt? Do we still wear, do people still wear Not them? really. And is I, it like a cummerbund? No, I meant to give you a picture, but just think with your mind. Okay. I'm closing um, my eyes and thinking with my mind. Shirtwaists were mass-produced blouses that resembled men's shirts and were very popular with working women. Basically, oh, looked okay. like it basically looked like the top of, um, you know how they used to wear like the the, the whalebone skirts, skirts yep. like a hundred mm-hmm. years ago, and the t- it that's what the top. Okay, like. so sort of the a little more fitted in the waist, very a little more fitted and, in the top, and, and and then in the arms, kind of loose. Okay, and whatever. yeah, I so. think I, I know you. So those have a name, shirtwaist. Yes, I didn't know that. Yes. So they were they were f- women workers making Women's garments, garments meant for women. Yes. Okay, for like was it specifically like upper class women or something, or was it just the standard? It sounds like because they were producing so much, it sounded like it was probably just the popular. Okay, just just what average person wore, sort of thing. Because yeah, if it was just for a certain class, they probably wouldn't have been producing that much at, at such a massive rate. Yeah. yeah, maybe. So, now on the in the building in the Ash Building, uh-huh. there were four elevators with access to the factory floors. Remember, this is a ten-story building. This Top factory is on the eighth, ninth, and tenth floor. Okay, and four elevators. Yes. At the time of the fire, only one elevator was fully operational, uh, and workers had to file down a long, narrow corridor just to reach it. Well, and you're not supposed to take a f- an elevator during fire, sorry. There were two stairways <laughs> down to the street, but mm-hmm. one was locked from the outside Mm-mm. to prevent stealing, and the other only opened inward. Oh, a door opening ah, inward. where have we heard that before? Where? Oh, in Coconut Grove, maybe. Well, and in... Um, which happened almost 30 years. Victoria Hall, which was 1886. Yes. Uh, Coconut Grove actually happened 31 years after this. Later, yeah. And there were still inward doors. Yeah. Inward opening doors. Yeah, so this is like 60 years of architects being stupid or engineers being stupid. No, just being paid off. Well, We'll that's stupid. (laughs) There was a fire escape, but it was so narrow that it would have taken hours for all the workers to use it, even in the best of circumstances. Yeah, because fire escapes are like these little tiny narrow staircases on the outside of buildings, right? Isn't that the old-fashioned fire escape? Yeah. Yeah. But they're durable. 
No, no, no. I just mean, part. like, for filing. Yeah, if you have 100 people or whatever Modern day to, ones. Yeah. to file through those, yeah. Factory fires were a known danger, but corruption in both the garment industry and city government generally ensured that no useful precautions were ever taken to prevent them. Triangle Factory itself had two separate fire incidents in 1902, while Diamond Waste Company, a subsidiary of the Triangle Shirtwaist uh, Company, uh, burned twice, uh, once in 1909, I'm sorry, once in 1907 and once in 1910. So they've dealt with this before, or with... um with fires like this yes. before workplace fires. It was thought that Blank and Harris deliberately torched their workplaces in each <gasps> incident before business hours in order to collect on the large fire insurance policies. Oh. They purchased a fairly common business practice in the early 20th century. That's hard. So insurance fraud. Yes. While this yes. was not the cause of the 1911 fire, it contributed to the tragedy as Blank and Harris refused to install sprinkler systems in case they needed to burn down the shops again. <laughs> so they were planning... For potentially committing insurance fraud in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were like, no, we we need to make it easy when we want to do this again. As pointed (laughs) out, in the previous fires, they allegedly, they were never, none of those previous fires ever, they never had a charge, they never went to trial, but it was kind of... Known. It it was like, it was like, it's like today... Open secret. It's like today taking a bribe from a company, but it's not called bribe, it's called a donation. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's assumed that, okay, if you're taking $10 million from ExxonMobil, you'll mm-hmm. look the other way if there's an environmental tragedy caused by them. So this is kind of the same thing Ugh. 100 years earlier. Like, hey, we know, you're going to burn your place down just to collect on the insurance one That's day. Terrible. Just do it when nobody's there. Well, ugh. Yeah, okay. So that's what they did so, before. So no one was hurt in these other fires? No. The, the factories was, were empty? Yes. They did it before business hours, so it was uh-huh. everyone, there was nobody in the building simply to collect on the insurance policy. Simply to commit insurance fraud, yep. to be clear. Yeah. Yes. Now Uh-oh. we are at... And the, the carnage in this one is... Yeah, well, you said I, like 144 I said before, people, right? I said before, this was the deadliest workplace yeah. accident in New York City until when? 9-11. This mirrors 9-11 in a lot of ways. Really? And you're going to find out. <gasps> Did they jump? Oh, no. Maybe. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that, but yes, you are correct. Oh, God. Oh, on March 25th, 1911, Saturday afternoon at around 4.40 p.m. Saturday, well, of course, they're working, uh, they're not just working Monday to Friday, it's clearly. towards the end of the workday. The workday is going to cut off at 5 o'clock. So oh, there are, okay. they're, they're almost there. Okay. Almost home. Mm. Fire began in a rag bin on the 8th floor. Now, there so is no... Is the lowest of the three floors, yes. yeah. Now, there is no specific cause of no how cause, this fire yeah. happened. Most likely. They uh-huh. knew where it happened uh-huh. because of the, they were doing fire investigations 100 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most likely it was caused by either um, somebody thought they'd put out a cigarette or by the embers oh. of a match. Most likely. Even though at this time, oddly enough, because we're talking about a garment factory with mm-hmm. cloth all over the place, mm-hmm. you could not smoke on those floors. So somebody was doing something they shouldn't have had. Well, right? people did it all the well, time. Well, sure, They sure. would sneak cigarettes here sure. and there. Even 30 years ago, you could kind of smoke wherever you felt like it. Yeah. Imagine 100 years ago. Yeah. Like, oh, cloth, whatever. I'll put my... So mm. there's no specific known cause. Okay. The most likely cause is a 
a match or a but it's cigarette. pretty accepted that this was not deliberately set. No, this it was an accident. accident. Okay. Started as an accident. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the manager attempted to use the keyword the as in the single. As in, there's only one uh-huh. fire hose to extinguish it, uh-huh. but was unsuccessful as the hose was rotted and its valve was rusted shut. Oh, God. So it's just useless. Yes. Just completely, completely useless. useless. Now, we're talking about... And no sprinklers. We're talking about no sprinklers. Uh-huh. We're talking about a garment factory uh-huh. 106 years ago. Uh-huh. So, obviously, if you're putting these garments through sewing machines, you're going to clip off stuff. You're going to take off stuff here and there. Sure. So every scraps. every workstation had mm-hmm. scraps of clothes. Scraps of fuel. <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So Fabric the, galore. The fire spread very quickly and panic ensued. You know what this reminds me of? The Coconut Grove fire. Remember the, the fabric the on the ceiling? Stuff that was hanging all over the yeah. ceiling. Yeah. Yes. Um, there were four elevators, as I mentioned before, right. with access to the factory floors. And just one was in use. As I mentioned before as well, there were two stairways that led down to the street. One being Green Street, the other being Washington Place. Okay. The Washington Place staircase was the one I mentioned before. Okay. That was locked from the outside to prevent thievery and also to prevent union people trying to come in and, <laughs> and get... Insight uh, right. or um, encourage union- right. unionization. Yes. And then there was the Green Street, Green Street Staircase. That only opened inward. Yeah. There was a fire escape, as well as I mentioned right. before, but it was so narrow that it was basically just completely unfunctional. Yeah. The first fire alarm was sent at approximately 4.45 p.m. by mm-hmm. a pedestrian at Washington Place who could see smoke coming from the 8th floor. Uh, a bookkeeper on the 8th floor was able to telephone employees on the 10th floor, but there was no audible alarm and no way to contact staff on the 9th floor. Oh, no. So so people on the 8th floor knew there was a fire because the fire was on the 8th floor. That's where it started. People on the 10th floor were, were, were notified, warned. but there was no way to get in contact with people on the 9th. Oh, God. Yes. According to survivor Yetta Lubitz, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, the first warning of the fire on the ninth floor was the fire itself. Ugh. Oh, God. Now, as I mentioned before, there were two separate stairways. Right. They one both went down to the street. And there one were, that was opening yes. in. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one functioning elevator could only hold 12 people at a time. The operator was able to make just four trips back and forth before um, the elevator began breaking down yeah. amid the heat and flames. It's not safe to take an elevator in a fire, but... Especially if that in was 1911. Like, and there's an operator. But obviously, like, if it's like, look, there's a chance we can get people out. I mean, I get right. going ahead and taking it anyway. And remember again, the Washington Place staircase was the one that was locked from the outside. Okay, and the green... Flames prevented oh, people from the descending, no. descending the Green Street stairway. Oh, no. So dozens <gasps> of workers would escape by going... Up oh. onto the roof and then onto adjoining buildings. Oh, wow. So they were jumping rooftops. Yes. Well, oh. at, and still today, uh-huh. those buildings were so, so pa- close together. So packed together. So at least they weren't like literally jumping no. 10 feet or something. No. Yeah. Okay. They, it wasn't okay. like a Hollywood stunt. So, so it was yeah. a legitimate escape. Yes. Like it worked for them. Okay. That's good. That's good. And oh. the way that escape took place is going to come into play later. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Yes, we will. <laughs> That stairway, meaning going also going up the stairs, would become completely unusable in a matter of minutes. Ugh. 
20 employees crowded onto the single exterior fire escape, which soon twisted and oh, collapsed no. Oh, no. from the heat in the overload, <gasps> spilling all 20 victims nearly 100 oh. feet to their deaths. So they died by just impact. Oh, God. In a desperate attempt to escape the fire, the girls left behind waiting for the elevator plunged down the shaft to their deaths. Oh, no. So they were... Like, they were just like... They were trying oh. to kind of hang on to the cables and slide down. Oh, but it didn't quite work. Oh, no. God. Oh, that's... That's... So, oh, falling? It's, just, it's just sheer desperation. Yeah, sure. At this point. I mean, it's either get burned or at least try... Or at least give it a shot. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm wow. either going to burn to death or I can try to ride the cables down. Oh, God. That did, oh, that how horrifying. As I stated before, and I will state again, mm-hmm. the workers who fled via the stairwell onto Washington Place oh. were met with a locked door oh at the gosh. bottom of the stairs and either suffocated or <gasps> burned to death. Could they not? Could they not get access any part of the first floor? Remember, Nothing. It was the, just all. Remember, locked. the fire had kind of initially cut off the middle. So if you decided to go down. You were oh, going you down and staying there. If you decided to go up, you were going up and staying there. And then after a couple of minutes, uh-huh. that fu- that stairwell was completely engulfed. Oh, wow. So oh. those people descending that staircase <sighs> mm-hmm. made the wrong choice. Well, no, they didn't make the wrong choice. The well, asshole who locked the door made true. the fucking wrong choice. If they had gone tw- to the roof first, oh, which, well, why yeah. would you? Right. Why would you go up? You would think, no, I'm not going to go to the If they had roof. gone to the roof First, they would have lived. Oh, man. But they didn't. They did what any reasonable person would do, try to go down to the street and out. But the door was locked. Good God. The workers who did not make it to the stairwells or the elevators Uh, were trapped and began to jump from the windows to escape the fire. Like... Oh, that you're right about like the nine. You remember the um, what was it called? Did you watch that documentary? I think it was the, the falling, falling man. man. Oh, yeah, heart wrenching. Just the desperation you have to have to be like, look, if I just talk, stand talk, here. Talk about two terrible choices. Oh, but you know what? It it really is the most logical of the two choices. Yes, like, it is. If like, I maybe there's a chance of survive. Like this. even the slimmest chance. Yeah. Like crazy stuff. Maybe happens. there's a net down below that I can't see because I'm a hundred stories in People the air. People have survived really crazy things. Yes. Yeah. So maybe nobody's survived being completely burned alive. Right. Nobody's survived that. Right. There, there's not a good chance with that. So yeah. let me take my chances yeah. and just and fuck it. Just, just give it a shot. Yeah. And so, if it doesn't work out, it's going to oh be over man. with pretty fucking soon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... And, so that's, and, that's why I mentioned before this mirrors 9-11 yeah. a little bit. And I can see the panicked logic of, even if they, they probably weren't even thinking this, but, like, 80 feet doesn't sound so bad when you're... <laughs> like, your only other choice is getting burned. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. William Gunn Shepard, a reporter at the tragedy, would later write... I learned a new sound that day. <gasps> oh, God. A sound more horrible than description can picture. Oh, no. Oh, no. The thud of a speeding living body onto a stone sidewalk. Uh. This was the scene as the firefighters began to arrive. Oh, and God. they actually got there pretty quickly. Yeah, They got I guess there that's... within ten minutes. Which, for back then... Yes. Although, um, the, you said that the, the fire department was called from... 
the bookkeeper on the eighth floor, or is she, or is that the person? It was called, called from a pedestrian on, oh, on the street. Oh, okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. The bookkeeper on the eighth floor called, called the, the tenth, tenth floor. Yes, gotcha. To let them know that mm-hmm. there was a fire. Mm-hmm. Notice it was a bookkeeper. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. The bodies of jumpers fell onto hoses, making it difficult to fight the fire. Oh no! Also, the firefighters' ladders—remember, this is a ten-story building. Yeah. Fire technology had not caught up to the buildup of buildings yet. Oh, to the the the, the length. height. The height, yeah. The height, yeah. <laughs> height, not length. Well, if it's laying down, then it's length. <laughs> it would yeah. be length. Ladders only reached the seventh floor. Oh no! And, the and that's fire not at started all. on the eighth. Oh no! Spread to the ninth. And t- by this time, it's kind of spread throughout the yeah. whole building. In one case, a life net was unfurled to catch jumpers. Okay. Three girls jumped at the same time. Oh no! Ripping the net. Oh no! Causing it to be ineffectual. Oh god! The whole episode lasted just eighteen minutes. Oh. Uh, well, better that it didn't draw out, I guess, but that's that's horrifying. Essentially, it went through all the cloth that it could go through, went down the stairwells, and kind of, and with the firefighter's help, uh-huh. kind of all of its oxygen, all of its fuel was sort fuel of taken was up. kind of so, gone. So it got contained yes. pretty quickly. And which is why the building still stands today. The building, yeah, the yeah building, that's right. It didn't get leveled or no, anything, yeah. No. So once the fire ran out of fuel, uh-huh. 18 minutes after it started... 146 people were dead. Oh, God. So it was fast. A lot of people died in a really very quick, short period of time. Really panicked. Really scary. Yeah. And really painful. Yeah. Mentally, physically, everything. Oh, Plus, there were, there were 71 people who survived this. Oh. So. Oh. Fires really suck. I hate doing fires because yeah. I could not imagine the fear. That's... It's... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Because it can kill you in two different ways. It can suffocate you. Yes. And it can or, burn you. Or burn you. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. So the, Or drive you out of the building into you, danger. Make you jump yeah. 100 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get away from it. Oh, God. Which is also going to kill you. Yeah. So it can kill you in three different ways. That's horrible. Oh, my God. Oh, those poor women. Yeah. Well, people, but it sounds like the majority were women. It was uh, 123 women, 23 men. Mm. Uh, The men mostly being managers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense for the time. Honestly, still makes sense now, even though it shouldn't. Okay, the aftermath of this Uh. is positive. Okay, so are we going to get into the good news about like yes. labor and safety? And, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Good, because I could use a good infusion of good news right now, <laughs> yes. because this is a super downer. I have not been on this side of things before. No, you haven't. And it's really a bummer. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, that this was a huge incident Yeah. that spurred labor yes. and spurred... Um, I'm not going to call them regulations anymore. I've been meaning gotcha, to get away right. from that. Mm-hmm. Spurred public safety standards. Yes. Or workplace safety standards. Yes. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. that's what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, keep that in mind. Yes. Bodies of the victims were taken to Charities Pier, also called Misery Lane, <gasps> located at 26th Street and the East River. Okay. For identi- for identification oh, by yeah. friends and relatives. Oh, that's 
That's oh, that's the hardest part. The identification yeah. of bodies, like remember the Eastlands? Yes. Um, that that they um staged like identification yeah. areas. Just, and oh. what was the soccer tragedy where everybody got crushed to death? Hillsborough. Hillsborough. They put them all in a gymnasium. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, hey, oh, because man. a lot of people were so badly crushed. Yeah. They couldn't be identified. Oh, God. Um, oh, I can't imagine. Because, I mean, clearly that that has to happen by somebody who knows the person. Somebody has to do it. Yeah, and that's just... I mean, and I know, especially in modern times, they do the best they can to make sure that they're only looking at the face, that it's as cleaned up as possible, but, oh, God. Not back then, I'm sure. No. It was pretty pretty real. So the victims were also interned in 16 different cemeteries. Six victims remained unidentified until Michael Hirsch, a historian, completed four years of researching newspaper articles and other sources for missing persons and was able to identify each of them by name. Aww. Those six victims were buried together in the cemetery of the Evergreens in Brooklyn. Aww. Originally interred elsewhere on the grounds, the remains now lie, be- lie beneath a monument to the tragedy. Aww. The monument is a large mar- marble slab featuring a kneeling woman. Oh. Can't say marble very well for some reason. <laughs> well, that's good on him for like making sure that those women were identified. Yeah. That's important. Yes. That's so important. That's somebody's that's, life. There's something that there's something so tragic about the idea of like you know like the tomb of the unknown soldier t- kind yeah. of idea that like somebody died and nobody knew who it was. So like the 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 tragedy of like not being able to mourn. Yeah. Sort of like the same thing when people go missing and they're not found. It's just that that robs people of the um, the closure and the ability to mourn, you know, and everything. So that's good on him, man. That's yeah. really that's really admirable. And he worked a long time to get to that too. So. Yes, and at this time, no Google. <laughs> yeah, no. He's just literally coming through newspapers, yeah, yeah. whatever he can find, whatever he can get his hands on to try yeah. to figure out who these people are. Yeah. Now, let's get back to the company's owners, shall we? What what were their names, Buddy and Joe? Might as well be. (laughs) What were they again? George? George. And Buddy? No. No. (laughs) Max Blank. Oh, I got the name right. Blank is spelled B-L-A-N-C-K. Oh, okay. So, and and Isaac, Max Blank. And Isaac Blank. Max Blank, P-I. And Isaac Harris. Okay. They survived the fire... They were in there? Yes, they were. Well, they, they owned the place. Well, I get it, but owners aren't always in the yeah, place At of that business. time, they had to crack a whip well, on I somebody. Guess, okay. Yeah. All right. So they were... Po- oh, geez. Oh, and they survived. Oh, yay. Remember how I told you before how some people fled up to the roof? Yeah, they were two of them. They survived. Because <gasps> they knew that fucking door was locked. Those dicks. Mm-hmm. No, assholes. No, just absolute pieces of shit. The two survived the fire by fleeing to the building's roof when the fire began, and they were both indicted on charges of first and second degree manslaughter. Uh, it might as well be murder, those fucking douchebags. Pretty much. So, and I'm guessing they didn't say, hey, everybody, to the roof. No, they were just saving their pathetic I mean, I little didn't, selves. I didn't see anything on that. All right, sure, sure. But no, most I'm likely. I'm going to speculate. Most likely that's I the case. I don't think they deserve much mercy that's on a, this. I think that's a pretty fair speculation. Oh, God, knowing terrible. what they've done previously and what they're currently doing at this point in their lives. Ugh. Fucking people out of money. Yeah. 
They don't give a shit about anybody else, yeah. clearly. The pair's trial began on December 4th, 1911. Good. I'm glad they were... So you said manslaughter. First and second degree manslaughter. First and second degree manslaughter. manslaughter. Max Stauer, counsel for the owners, and this is going to get into what you were just saying, okay. whether they knew or not, uh, argued to the jury that witnesses had memorized their statements and might have been told what to say by the prosecutors. The prosecution okay. alleged that the owners knew the exit doors were locked at the time mm-hmm. in question, but the defense stressed that the prosecution failed to prove that the owners knew that. Well, that, that would be a really hard thing to prove. How, how could exactly? How could you prove it? Well, unless through, you saw one of them lock the doors themselves. Yeah, or or they they said something to that effect. And that would be pretty probably it would be hearsay. Probably, I was going to say, it'd be disregarded as hearsay. Yeah, probably would be. Um, the jury acquitted the two men. <gasps> Not surprising. Again, oh, this, well, is, yeah. this is 1911. There really are no workers' rights at this point, yeah. and there are Oof. little to no workplace safety standards, yeah. much less public safety standards. Yeah. The jury <clears throat> acquitted the two men, but they were found liable of wrongful death during a subsequent civil suit in okay. 1913. If you can't get them on criminal, get them on civil. The plaintiffs were awarded $75 per deceased victim. So those women's lives were worth 75 bucks a piece. Yes. Fuck that. Guess what their fire insurance policy was worth? The insurance company, and again, remember they had a history of burning down yes, their own buildings. Of, of fraud. Insurance, yes, fraud. insurance fraud. Direct insurance fraud. Paid Blank and Harris about $60,000 more than the reported losses or about $400 per casualty. So they made money on the deal. They made 325 bucks per person. Take away, I was going to say, take away $75. Yep, per person. They made $325 per so death. So each one of those bodies earned to those them, 325 To them, was yeah. worth $325. And that's in 1911 money. Yes. So that must be like in the thousands, I would think. Yes. I could do the calculator in my head, but I just can't at the moment. Because I, right. I, I just did. I did do a breakdown of... Uh, hourly pay then versus now. Yes, that's now. right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. it was fifty three cents in four six so eight times. Four. Eight times so. So it's like twenty five hundred dollars or something yeah, like that. Yeah, in today's money. Yeah. yeah. That's and ugh, that's so sick. they they that's made sick. they made money off of employees dying. They made twenty five hundred bucks a person. Mm-hmm. So that's that was their. Price tag on a human life. Like, yeah. assholes. And that's probably how they calculated yeah. it. I wouldn't... Well, of course. Yeah. That's how... Like, shit. Mm. We only had to pay out 75. We're going to collect 325. We're going to collect people. 400. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And don't think that that hasn't changed today, by the way. Oh, yeah. In 1913, Blank was once again arrested for locking the door in his factory <gasps> during work hours and was fined $20. That... Oh, my God. So, again, take away that... So... So he's still making three hundred five dollars per victim. Oh my god! But that was just one twenty. So he made three hundred five dollars off this one victim, three twenty five off the rest. <laughs> on April fifth, nineteen eleven, a massive funeral protest march took place on Fifth Avenue, drawing an estimated three hundred fifty thousand people. Oh my god! Wow. Later that year, the ILGWU, which ILGWU. <laughs> the Ilgwu. Yes. Ilgwu. I like that. that actually, the International... Oh, hold on. No, it's the Women's Garment Union. International Ladies Garment Workers Union. I was close. Yeah, you were. 
And the Women's Trade Union League pressured city officials to form a committee on public safety to identify specific problems and lobby for new legislation. Okay. One such piece of legislation was known as the 54-hour bill, which granted workers shorter hours in a work week. So 54 hours being shorter? Well, well it's, yeah, it's well, shorter than 80 yeah. or 81. It's not down to a 40-hour work week. It is yeah, not. That would still... come later in our history. Yeah. But for now, uh-huh. hey, 54 hours, uh-huh. not too bad. Yeah, well, it's certainly better than the 11 to 12 hours per day. Yes. Plus, they also received, like, standardized work hours. The 11 oh. to 12 hours we were talking about before was, like, uh-huh. each day you're coming in and leaving at a different time, so oh. there's, no, there's no steadiness Consistency, to it. Consistency, yeah. The New York State Legislature then created the Factory Instigate... Then created the Factory Investigating Commission to investigate okay. factory conditions in this and other cities to report remedial measures of legislation and to prevent hazard or loss of life among employees through fire, unsanitary conditions, and occupational diseases, which was also a problem at the time. So it's kind of like an early OSHA. A little bit, because yeah. you have to remember you have immigrants literally coming off of a boat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's wrong with them? Oh, you mean like diseases or such? Well, or or just um, there needs to be a standardization of health and safety practices. Have you had the... And Ellis Island, I don't know the history of Ellis Island, which is sad. I should. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess it was around at this time, maybe in its early beginnings. Mm -hmm. I know its end was kind of after World War II. That was kind of the last time it was really fully operational. I, I always got the impression that Ellis Island was in like the teens... And, I uh, think that's when it was most prominent. Like the just after the twenties. Okay. A lot of people escaping World War One at this time too. Yeah, yeah, so. like pre pre um yes. stock market crash kinda, yeah. Their findings led to thirty eight new laws regulating labor ah, in New York State. Good. And gave them the reputation as leading progressive reformers working on behalf of the working class as well as helping New York State earn the reputation as one of the most progressive states in terms of labor. Way to go, New York. That's awesome. New laws mandated better building access and egress. A fancy, yes. fancy word we've talked oh, about yes. before. yes. Modes of egress. Fireproofing requirements, the availability of fire extinguishers, uh-huh. the installation of alarm systems, yep. and... Sprinklers? Automatic sprinklers. Mm-hmm. Better eating and toilet facilities for workers. Okay, so it expanded beyond... That kind of sounded like it was one thing. Better, <laughs> better eating and toilet. Hopefully you're doing that separately. <laughs> if you're doing that at the same time... You know, to each his own. In and out? I just wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> well, it does seem unsanitary to eat in the bathroom, in all fairness. Eat and toilet. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> better eating. Well, better eating facilities and toilet facilities well, for workers. That's awesome because even though, like, obviously the most important thing is, like, immediate safety, it's great to hear that it expanded to, like, other very important things like well, I went to other cities. Physical health um, too. I didn't include it in this, but just remembering what I researched, mm-hmm. this went to Buffalo, went to Albany, okay. went to so the whole state. Yes, the whole well, state if felt it was, the effects. Yeah, state, of this. statewide. Yeah. Yes. Um, it also uh, limited the number of hours that women and children could work. Okay. There are no child labor laws. Uh-huh. Really, so, but this is like this an time. early move towards step, child this is a labor. Step to it. Yes. Um, laws, yeah. In the years from 1911 to 1913, 64 new laws were recommended by the commission, with 60 being passed with the support of Governor William Salter. So that's a big passing rate. Yes. Wow. Almost all of them. Yeah. 60 out of 64. Yeah. 
The last living survivor of the fire was mm. Rose Friedman, who died in Beverly Hills. Oh! Thankfully, on February 16th, 2001. Now, Aww. why do you think I say that? Before 9-11. Just before. Because yeah. what was the one thing that completely had in common with 9-11? The jumping out yes. of the... So it probably would have really given her some horrible triggers. I'm sure that probably would have killed her right there. She was 107. I was going to say, <laughs> she must have been so... Uh, but seven, 17 she when She was that two days away from her 18th birthday at the time oh, of the fire. Oh, Wow. As a result of her experience, she became a lifelong supporter of unions. Oh. I started to get into some history on her. Mm-hmm. But... Is she her own figure? Like it is own? so fascinating, mm-hmm. and she accomplished so much. So just on your own free time, if you want just to... look her up. Look up Rose Friedman uh-huh. Triangle Shirtwaist Company, and it'll give you a bio of all the wow. things that she did after, because she... She actually really lived quite a, an amazing life. That's awesome. Good this. for her. Good way to use a terrible event in your life to do good. I mean, that's like anybody who has to go through something horrible like that. Like, I would feel just like, okay, now I'm entitled the rest of my life to never do anything else. Right. <laughs> like, I can just chillax here. But she was like, no, I'm going to fight. And that's really awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. And that is all the research that I have. That is the... Yay! That, that was well done. The Triangle Shirt, shirt Waste Company. Company. Factory. Fire. fire. <laughs> it, is a, it is a mouthful. It is a little it is the It is the Triangle Company. That okay. Is, that is the uh-huh. uh, governing body. <laughs> triangle. Triangle. For all of those you, that can Who see Who can me. see with the... the, yeah, the Sign for all of, for all those who are on Skype that can't see us on <laughs> Skype because we're not Skyping, I just made a triangle. You just made a triangle, like the A and YMCA. Yes. <laughs> but um, it really like re- it, and there there was a lot of stuff I left sure. out because it's easy to go down mm, with the rabbit a holes. lot of different roads with this. Mm-hmm. But it, it seemed to me in researching it that it was. Truly, like a, a touchstone moment. It sounds like for it, labor uh, and a for watershed and for safety standards. What what I find really fascinating, like the timing of it. Obviously, it was a time when like labor was starting to like labor union unionization and stuff was starting to kind of find a footing. Um, this is when populism. Yes. First and, started coming around in politics. And women's suffrage. Yes. So it, it was... That's true. This is before women can vote. Yes. Like eight this years is, before. Yep. Mm-hmm. And... This is when was, that is getting... Was yes. it 1919? Yes, it was. Was it? Yes. No, we just passed the anniversary, didn't we? It was we? 1919. Okay. I should know for sure, but okay. Um, but... I, I do find it really compelling that so many women were involved and, um, well, and are, were victims, obviously, but and survivors, but that, that uh, like, Rose Friedman and whoever else, like, drove part of that movement, too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, especially in... Um, earlier history women's roles in big movements are often minimized because history just didn't keep track of women's 
um, contributions as much as is more common now. This is also at a time when there is a uh, prohibition movement going on. That's right. Yeah, which was part of women's suffrage yes. too. Yes, it was. It was very like hand in hand because of yeah, suffrage. because a lot of abuse that was happening towards women as a result of alcoholism and things like that. Women in America really came to power uh-huh. because of prohibition. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Yeah, right, right. But it that's was, where that's yeah. where they got their biggest organizing groups from was mm-hmm. from that movement mm-hmm. trying to ban alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing too, like I I didn't want to go off on a tangent, yeah. but remember I was saying uh, that the fire ladders only reached the seventh floor. Yes. Okay, this is also at the turn of the century when you're starting to see New York and other cities getting built up with Higher. steel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Steel becomes a major player okay. at this point in time. So buildings are get going up faster mm-hmm. and going higher okay. than fire departments can mm-hmm. catch up with. Mm-hmm. So this was also a major stepping stone in ah. fire departments getting more regulated and getting more... Equipment to be able to reach higher floors. Yes. Oh, okay. So... Very and good. kind of the way after I was done recently, like, okay, now every time I look at a sprinkler system... Right. I'm going to know that 146 people had to die to make that happen. Right. And every time I see a push bar right. on a door, uh, what was it, 492 people? Well, plus the Victoria Hall Stampede yeah. was a big part of that, too. There are multiple. Yeah. Um, uh, I've also heard that the Iroquois Theater Fire was part of that, too. Sure. There, there were multiple stampede issues that, that result. I mean, now it seems like such a common sense thing, but... It took a lot no, of disasters. Hundred years ago, happen. like people didn't really care, right? Well, or like, or didn't think about. I don't know. It was more of not caring because yeah. hey, if you die, uh, guess what? There's somebody in line waiting to take your right. well, five dollar yeah. an hour a week job. Yeah, yeah, fair so. point. Wow, that was uh, that was super sad. I mean, I feel like most of my comments were <gasps> oh, oh, like noises more than <laughs> actual comments. Wow. No, it's it's crazy, yeah. and it was it was it's pretty tragic to to yeah, think that's about. Horrifying. That you could just that's stuff horrifying. all those people under yeah. those conditions, and if a fire breaks out, oh well, you know. Well, and and fuck those two guys, uh, Blank and Harris. Harris. Max so, Blank and Isaac Harris. Yeah, specifically, and not anyone who's living now whose <laughs> name is that. Those two specifically. The, the other thing I, I thought of with those two guys is that I hope they lost all their money in the stock market crash. Right? And jumped off a fucking building themselves. Oh, poetic justice. Because a lot of people that did though? that. Yep, yep. Out of, like, yeah, suicidal. Yeah. I did not do any research further on these to people because went, yeah. I can't stand them and yeah. I didn't really want to know anymore. No. So in my mind, I was like, I hope they committed suicide after they lost all wow. their money in the stock market crash. Wow. Like, that's what I hope what happened to those people. It would have been way nicer if they had served time or but they weren't ruined. Going to. From, it, yeah, no. it was not going to happen at that time. Um, the fact that they were held liable in a civil suit was actually a pretty big deal. But to the tune of like 75 bucks a person. At that time, just a, a you know, a win is a win. Ugh, that's, it's sad. It, it's sad any time there's any sort of suit or judgment given with a dollar amount for a person. I mean, even if it's like millions of dollars, It's It's never going to bring the person back. No, and no human life can have a price put on it. No. You know, people try in a lot of different ways, but it's never enough because there isn't enough. 
because it's just not it's just not replaceable <laughs> I feel like I'm like getting morose now so <laughs> and on that note <laughs> so that was the triangle company shirtwaist factory fire yes did I get it yes Yay. you did so oh we have to reverse this part too yes we do so for all bad things I'm Rachel I'm David and we'll see you next week